hi there, Hannah here, and welcome to another episode of the CAS Pod, the Community Action Suffolk podcast. You may know us as CAS, and we are the go-to organisation for voluntary, community and social enterprise organisations right here in Suffolk. We exist to support the sector and help you to help others. In this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Becky Warnock from Forge Church and Helen Bateman, one of my colleagues here at CAS. Welcome to you both. Hi. Hello. Thanks for having us. Very welcome. Um, so, Becky, can we start with you? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, uh, something people might not know about you, perhaps? Yeah, sure. So, um, yes, yeah, so hi, I'm Becky. And like you said, I work for the Forge Community Church. And, and my role is that I lead our community involvement. So that means both here in the UK and some stuff overseas as well. Um, so I've been doing that for the last 10 years. Um, previous to that, I worked for Suffolk County Council uh, in what was the Connection Service, which is now long gone, but um, in supporting young people uh, in work and training and with other issues going on. Um, so yes, I've always done youth work um, from kind of the age of 18. I always did voluntary youth work. Um, and even now on a voluntary basis, I give some time to being a trustee at The Mix in Stonemarket. Um, so yeah, oh, something that people might not know about me. So when I was at school, I, um, me and my class were responsible for the invention of blue Smarties with Nestle. So we petitioned Nestle that they should be blue Smarties and they came to our school and heard us out and uh, decided it was a good idea. So Amazing. That's really impressive. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we've had anyone else that's come up with anything like that for the, the thing oh, we well. don't know about them. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, I hope you get a commission for that. Well, we did get, we got a year's supply of Smarties in our class and we got loads of um, Smarty merchandise, which sadly to say, I don't think I no longer have. <laughs> well, I hope you don't have the Smarties anymore. No, 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 no neither. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, so tell us a bit about Forge Community Church then. And you say there's an overseas element as well? Yeah, so um, so the Forge has been, uh, we've been around as a church since 1992, um, initially in Mendelsham uh, and currently in Debenham. Um, and way before I was part of it, kind of the heart and the kind of the vision of the church was to um, do church differently, maybe how people might perceive church. And that hasn't changed too much since then, because I think when we say church, everyone will have an image of that, whether that's just going to church for weddings and funerals or whether you've been dragged along as a child or a bad experience maybe of church. Um, we kind of want to challenge those stereotypes of church and to be something that's helpful to people, uh, that makes life better. Um, so whatever we try and do, we always think of the person maybe who's never stepped foot in a church or maybe hasn't been in church for a long time. Um, and we never try to assume anything about faith or belief. Um, we just believe that church can be relevant and it can be good for people um, today. So um, there's loads of things we do. My responsibilities around our local uh, involvement, so um, running things like a furniture bank, um, Moses Project, where we do like, baby basics for people. We do youth work. Uh, we run a lunch club for the elderly. Uh, we run a letterbox scheme to connect with people who might be isolated. Um, and then overseas, we partner with um, different organisations. Um, so we currently got partners in uh, Zambia and South Africa, in Africa, um, Croatia and Guatemala. And so each year we send teams. Uh, obviously, we haven't been able to do this last year, but we send teams out to work with those organisations um, and trying to just to serve and help some of the most needy people on this planet. So I get involved in that as well. Wow. So much going on that you just, you just you're right. You wouldn't expect 
um, I suppose people can have that traditional view of the church, can't they? And, and mm -hmm. you know, the traditional things that go on, you just wouldn't necessarily expect them. Sounds like you're you're doing amazing things in the community um, and also abroad as well. So are they are they volunteers that go abroad? Yeah, so um, so we lead teams of about, they can vary really from about six people up to 12 people um, and the people who go have to raise all their own support to go. So it can cost anything kind of up to £1,500. Um, so they raise their own support by doing fundraising um, and yeah, and then they go on a trip. So the trips normally last up to about two weeks um, and yeah, do various things like uh, serving food in communities in Africa, um, doing really practical jobs. So we've like school roofs and um, we've run kind of dentist and optician clinics and stuff out there for people who obviously don't have access to healthcare. Um, so real varied. Yeah, absolutely. And and how has the how has the past sort of year eighteen months been for yourselves and um, the community? Yeah, it's been challenging. Kind of, um, I think for many organisations, but overnight we had to really change everything we did. And so, um, where we're used to gathering in person, we, we used to gather in three different locations. Um, overnight, we suddenly had to do that online. And so, um, yeah, and we 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 were doing some online stuff pre-COVID anyway, so it wasn't such a big jump. But yeah, having to just learn new skills, sort of doing youth work and kids work online, is a, has been a kind of a challenge that we've suddenly had to learn. Um, so yeah it's been a big adjustment I think even now now we're having the the challenge of the adjustment back the other way because we've got so comfortable and used to doing everything online um oh, it's now the challenge of right now we've got to get back in person <laughs> so yeah. yeah yeah and I think a lot of organizations are sort of saying that to us at the moment that actually it's been a huge challenge to do what they've done but mm. now people are also very used to that and perhaps you know, need that bit more reassurance and encouragement to come back out and do activities face to face and, you know, come and, and be part of that community in a physical manner again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think also, especially around volunteers, it's hard. I think volunteers have got used to not volunteering and um, have enjoyed maybe their time there mm -hmm. and maybe had time to reflect on how they spend their time. And so um, I'd say it's definitely more challenging to encourage volunteers back and to re-engage them again. It's really interesting. Yeah, because I think we've talked about on previous podcasts um, and certainly at CAS, we talked about the, the huge role that volunteers have paid, mm. played during the, the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and actually, yeah, to hear that sort of different viewpoint of well, they haven't had to do the volunteering necessarily. Mm. And so mm. that now you're trying to get them back. So, yeah, that's very interesting. Mm. So, Helen, that's probably a good point to, to sort of bring you in around that youth work um, theme. Do you want to tell us a bit about yourself and, and your role at CAS? Yeah, great. Um, well, I've joined CAS um, recently, actually, as the VCSE Youth Development Officer, which is really exciting for me. I, um, I'm from the North East originally and spent um, maybe 10 years, I think, up in York doing youth work on lots of different types of projects from like mentoring uh, with volunteers to post 16 projects for um, young people who've just left school and maybe needed a bit of support to move into other um, education employment training opportunities. We had some alternative learning programs and loads of out of school activities like sports clubs, arts and crafts, that kind of thing. We even had a youth club bus called the Irby doing detached youth work around the different rural communities, which was really exciting. Um, <laughs> So yes, yeah, so and now I've um, I've joined Community Action Suffolk and um, getting involved in supporting organisations to to develop their youth youth work. Excellent, and we're very lucky to have you. 
<laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so bearing in mind you've only been with us a short time, um, mm-hmm. what's, the, what's the best thing about your role with CAS? Oh, the best thing is definitely being able to support organisations with their youth projects. I just think youth work is such an important area of work. I think the difference that... Um, you know, volunteers, mentors, youth workers can make in the lives of young people just can't be underestimated. Um, I think we all need somebody there for us to, you know, listen to us, spend time with us and support us when we're growing up. And I just think um, this is just such an important area of work. So it's great to see a bit more investment and interest coming in from the government as well. Um, and I, I feel like there's a real sort of growing um, level of interest in developing youth work at the moment. And do you think there are any sort of particular challenges around that at the moment? Um, oh. Obviously, that young people have been hit very hard recently by the pandemic. But um, is there anything sort of you've seen that? Uh, I think it's probably been really difficult for young people. Being so, I mean, I suppose it has been for all of us, hasn't it? But for young people in particular, sort of um, not being at school and seeing their friends and sort of being able to engage with projects around them, I think it. Um, it does have its impact, doesn't it, I think. Um, so I think, as Becky was saying, we're, we're in this situation now where we're looking to bring in volunteers and also, I guess, encourage young people back into projects because, you know, I, I wonder what everyone's been up to over the last sort of 18 months. You know, um, obviously you can hang out outdoors, but um, I think we'll probably, it'll take a little while before we um, get the confidence up to restart um, youth activities indoors. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's there's lots of sort of um, <clears throat> boxes to tick and, and things to do, aren't there, to, to encourage people back and to make them feel safe again. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, so Becky, has that been your experience, particularly on the youth side of, of sort of re-encouraging people back to <laughs> activity? Yeah, definitely. I think um, I just think it's hit people so differently in different ways, hasn't it? I think there's some some young people who've coped amazingly well and shown fantastic resilience mm-hmm. um, and people who've got amazing support systems at home and then other people who haven't. And I think because so much happens behind closed doors over this last kind of 18 months, um, we've not been able to see that. And so it's hard to reach out and support those people who really need it the most um, because it's not seen. So unless we know about it, <laughs> it's hard to, to get in there. Um, we so we haven't restarted our um, our uh, open access youth work um, yet, and um, and we're kind of going with a different approach. Comes and we're going to kick off by doing some detached work rather than inviting them into a building. Um, obviously, partly because there's still a risk around, but also we've kind of lost some of that relationship with young people, and so uh, our thinking is to do some detached work to help. Uh, put us back out there uh, in the community and to re-engage with some young people get to know them again and also you know kids have moved on so actually you've got a whole new intake of what will be year eights plus the new year sevens that we've never had any contact with during covid and so actually it gives us a chance to start some new relationships as well with them and um, so i think it's a big challenge but also a fantastic opportunity as well um, to kind of restart something and um, gives us a bit more momentum i think again to restart something and it, it's fresh and it's new and it's exciting so i'm really looking forward to it good yeah i, I mean i'd agree with all of that there's there is that whole re-engagement piece, isn't it? And, and new people that are sort of coming coming to the fore that, that will need support or will want support or will want to do, you know, general activities and, and get back out there. So mm. absolutely. So what, Becky, for you, what's the best thing about your role? Um, I think probably the variety, like no two days of my job are the same. Um, I can spend a morning 
maybe writing policies and doing a grant application and then I might meet a volunteer or someone in need and then I might you know be helping a homeless person and then doing some youth work and you know then here and then I fly off to another country for, for a fortnight so like, it's just so varied and um, and there's there's nothing about it I don't love I absolutely love my job because because it's all stuff that I like doing <laughs> and it's and um yeah there's no chance to get bored <laughs> it's not work when it's something you love is it no exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so what would be your three top tips for anyone that, you know, either wanted to get involved with something like this or was listening to this and thinking, do you know what, this would be really good in my local area. Mm. What, what would your top tips be for someone that was thinking like that? Yeah, so um, so the base, which is the what we call our, our um, youth work, um, it came about 10 years ago because um, central government were stopping some funding so then that kind of flowed into local government and so um, Suffolk County Council had to divest some of their youth services and so um, as a kind of a group in the community we said you know what that, that might be going back actually there's still a need there um, so we kind of came forward and said look we'd love to run this and um, so worked with Suffolk County Council to um, to set that up and also worked with the parish council and the school and the police and um, kind of in partnership to do that and so for me that's one one of the big things is partnerships um, it, I think it's really hard to do anything on our own um, and also it's silly as all doing our own little thing in our own little pockets and not talking to each other and working together and so um, personally I would say partnerships is a big thing so if you've got kind of anyone's listening to this got an idea of what they want to do around youth work and um, just start speaking to other people who might you know either doing youth work in the area um, or you know people who you think might also be interested in, in setting something up um so that would kind of be my first tip i think um i think also you need to have um, a real strong passion for it you want to really believe in young people and their worth and um and want good for them and want want them to realize how good they are and the kind of the role that they can play in the community and in society and i think if you believe in that if you've got a, a strong passion with a clear vision of what you want to achieve um that'll be one of the big successes i think of doing, uh, doing youth work um and then I think thirdly, probably um, investing in volunteers. Um, like we already said it, volunteers are such a massive asset. And I know we couldn't do any of the stuff we do without volunteers. Um, but also with volunteers, as great as they can be, there also can be kind of a transient nature with them in that, you know, they can just stop when they like. <laughs> um, and so we want to make it so compelling for volunteers that they don't want to stop. Um, and so investing in them, investing in development, um, just appreciating them. And that's something... I'll put my hand on, hand on my heart, it's something I don't always do um, really well, but actually appreciating our volunteers goes a long way to helping them stay connected and invested in what we're doing. Um, so yeah, so that's what I'd say, partnerships, clear vision and passion and investing in volunteers. Perfect, I think that's a, a perfect top three tips there. I mean, <laughs> partnerships, you know, we talk about this quite a lot on this podcast, it, it often comes up in people's top tips um, mm. for very good reason, because, you know, you don't want to be to be duplicating what's already going on um yeah. but also <clears throat> it is that that sort of it's not what you know it's who you know isn't it it's and, and by which I mean other people will have different experience different skills to bring to to what you're doing yeah totally um, and also in, in terms of sharing resources you know resources are scarce at the moment whether they're financial whether they're volunteers you know um so all of that by by partnerships and by collaborating with others you're you're going to add a huge wealth of you know um what you need to yeah. to your organization or to your group or um 
passion you know we don't get anywhere without without passion for what we do do we um no. you know it, it's really important and like you say that clarity of vision um knowing where you want to get to what you're aiming for what you're going to achieve is is really important yeah um but volunteers you know to pick up on on your third tip there around volunteers it's really nice to hear you saying investing in volunteers because it's something, as you know, it's something we do quite a lot of around volunteer management and training and all of that sort of thing. But, you know, if you want your volunteers to stay with you, you do need to invest that time in them. You need to be there for them. You need to, you know, there's, they're doing it for that sort of passion, aren't they? You know, yeah. because they want to help. They're not yeah. getting paid for it. They're not, you know, there's no financial benefit to it. Um, but it's about them having a good experience and wanting to come back again and again and, and provide that support for you as an organisation and also for the people that you work with. So yeah, totally. I'm, I'm sure volunteers particularly make, you know, going overseas, it, it must be a fantastic experience for them to go out there and see different things and, and you know, from what's going on in this country um, you know, what's happening, how they can help other people. And like you say, doing all that sort of, fundraising for their support and, and and that kind of thing makes them invested in it as well doesn't it but oh yeah totally I think it's huge because we've, we've had volunteers who would do it every single year so you know they'd literally come back from a trip and they're starting fundraising for the next trip and um, and we've had volunteers who as a result of going overseas have come back and they want to get involved locally where they live because of you know they've seen the need overseas and it suddenly opens their eyes to actually there's need right on their doorstep as well um, and then we've had people who've gone overseas for a short period of time, like two weeks, and kind of fallen in love with it and seen the need and then have committed their lives to being out there for kind of years on end. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you can never underestimate actually what a short, short trip like that does for volunteers. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, Helen, if, if, if someone was sort of interested generally in setting up some sort of youth work group or, or youth group, I should say, um, what would you say to them well I think um firstly absolutely wonderful it's such a great rewarding thing to do I think it can possibly feel a little bit daunting at first I mean you have all of these wonderful ideas and then all of a sudden you have to think about where you're going to run things from so your venues your policies procedures and um safeguarding issues and fundraising even um so I think don't feel overwhelmed because there is support out there um, and as you know Community Action Suffolk have got lots of one-to-one um, -one support training and resources available so anyone can access those from us at any time. Um, I think it's really important to spend some time in the early days um, as Becky said just setting out what your what your vision is and what you're hoping to achieve and then work out a way of ensuring that the project is safe that it's well managed and that it's sustainable and that, you know, it can continue over a period of time um, and thinking about those things and bringing in people around you to help you do that. Um, we're talking about volunteers and um, it is, it, it's really nice to hear Becky talking about valuing volunteers because I think they are the lifeblood of so many organisations and without them, I, you know, I don't know where we would be. Um, if people were looking for um volunteering opportunities you know you can have a look on the volunteer suffolk website where you can search for 
particular opportunities with young people. And also organisations can advertise um, for free for volunteers if they'd like to on there. So that would definitely be a good starting point. Um, I think the other thing I would say is if you're wanting to set up a project with young people, do it with young people and keep them at the heart of everything that you do. I think don't be afraid to to give them the reins and follow their lead because they're the experts in what they need and what they want. And I think sometimes as as um, as well-meaning as we are as adults, we sort of sometimes make assumptions. I think what what would be great and what would be what would be good. But I think you have to remember to let you know to to listen to what young people are telling us that they want. Um, and and often, I mean, young people will be so surprising in their ideas, and you think, oh, I hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> so I think involve them as much as possible. Um, and and also just be being creative. Don't be afraid to um, start something new um, just because it doesn't exist. It might be just because nobody's thought about it before. So um, I think we're all learning all of the time. And as you know, technology develops, as provision develops, you know, we have all these new opportunities. So I think it's just about sort of taking advantage of them a bit, really. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's. There is sometimes an element of taking a leap whenever you try and set up something new. Um, mm -hmm. or, you know, it, it, nine times out of ten, it will come from an idea or a, a passion in your community, and and thinking, well, I think that our community needs this, or um, you know, this particular set of people needs this. But I think your your point there about not making that assumption, whilst mm -hmm. that might be the sort of the spark that ignites something happening, it is then so important to make sure that you're involving the people that you're going to be delivering these services for. Absolutely. Um, to, to make sure that it's relevant, it's what they want, um, and that people will keep coming back. I think the other thing is that, you know, quite often, particularly with youth work, it's there can be an element of fear about setting up something like this. Yeah. Um, you know, we've all seen sort of negative stories in the press and, and those kinds of things. And it can feel like there's a lot of red tape to jump through, can't it? You know, yeah. checks, all of that kind of stuff, you know, and being able to navigate your way through those kinds of policy procedures, safeguarding, all of yes. that sort of stuff is, is really important, isn't it? To make sure that you've got that right from the get-go. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think that it's so important not to um, not to feel completely daunted because all of those policies procedures are there just to to really ultimately to ensure the safety of the young people that you're working with and the volunteers and staff who are part of your organisation. Um, but they're there to to offer sort of a um, um, an outline to, and guidelines to work around. Um, but I think what you have to do is just um, remember why you're doing it and hopefully what you're tr trying to get out of it, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and make use of the support around you. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Becky, is there, have you faced, other than the, <laughs> the pandemic, mm -hmm. Um, have you faced any other sort of unexpected challenges in your role? Is there anything you wish you'd known earlier? Um, I think uh, probably one of the big challenges we faced, certainly in early days, was being, being a church, being a faith group, and almost like that suspicion that comes from, from people outside in the community of us. Um, and, you know, people thinking, oh, here come the Bible bashers, they're going to start preaching at us, or, you know, thinking that maybe as a church got a, another agenda going on. Um, so that's one of the big things I think we've had to overcome. 
Um, and I think really, I think the only way to overcome that, if I'm honest, is to prove ourselves, to show that that's not what we're about. Um, but I think it's hard to, to do that. And I think really reputation um, is the only way over that. And that's hard to get a reputation when you first start out doing something. So when I know when we first started the base, um, we faced a lot of op opposition from the wider community um, about, you know, why were we really doing it? Um, and yeah, we just had to prove that wasn't that wasn't what we were about. Um, but I also think just generally in society, things have changed. I think over maybe the last 10 years or so, especially this last year, faith groups have come a long way in, in showing the world that actually we care. We've got something to offer regardless of people's personal faith and beliefs. And um, yeah, I think although maybe we might say our motivation comes from our faith, but it doesn't mean that it discounts what we're trying to do and, and discounts the help that we're offering out into the community. So that's probably one of the kind of more unique challenges I think we've faced as a church. Yes. Yeah, I, I can understand that. I think, you know, in our last podcast, we had a conversation about um, the difficulty of getting funding sometimes from faith based groups. Mm. Um, and I think it's all kind of tied up into that, isn't it? It's it's that same kind of, um, like you say, assumption about what it's going to be about and um, what you're going to be saying to people and, you know, um, but I mean, it sounds like you've done a great job of overcoming it. Um, it might have felt like a long road at times, but <laughs> I mean, it's, just, it's just having an answer for it as well, isn't it? And being sure of being sure ourselves of what we're doing and why we're doing it. And say so that when you are faced with those challenges, knowing that you, yeah, you can say confidently, this is why we're doing it. Um, and and that's like say actions speak louder than words, don't they? If people can see that we're making a difference, can see that we're genuinely helping, um, then, then that, you know, that says more, doesn't it? And, and hopefully that reputation spreads. So um, is there anything else that you want to tell us about Forge Community Church? Anything that we might have missed? Anything you've got coming up that you want to give a quick plug um, to? Or? Oh, um, <laughs> at the moment, all our services and stuff are still online and we'll be back meeting in person from the end of August um, at Debenham Community Centre. So um, if people want to check us out or find out more, we are... Um, we're online at forgechurch.com uh, on all the social media um, outputs. Um, so, yeah, so if people want to find out more to get involved, they can check there or can contact me directly. Brilliant. And, and Helen, if people wanted to get in touch with you? Um, yeah. so you can, um, oh, sorry, you're saying Helen. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, if, um, if people would like to get in touch with me, um, please do. Um, you can get me on helen.bateman at communityactionsuffolk.org.uk um, I was going to say it would be great if you can check out the Youth Focus webpage on Suffolk Infolink um, on there you can find lots of resources um, ideas, toolkits um, on, on youth work we're also we're developing a sort of a map on there of all of the youth activities in Suffolk so if you have youth provision or you're wanting to set something up you can register on Suffolk Info link and you'll appear as on the map and that'll make it easier for young people or volunteers to find you. Um, and we also have some um, great new training starting um, soon. So we've got a uh, short course which is about principles of youth work which is designed for people who are completely new to youth work but perhaps come across young people in their day-to-day -day work um, or their day-to-day -day lives and would like to know a little bit more about the principles of working with young people but there's one of those running in August and then we have a level two theory of youth work course running in September which is a little bit more in depth and it's it's six six two-hour sessions run across evenings they're free 
Um, on the website, you can also see we've got lots of other training like um, young people's mental um, health first aid. Um, oh, and loads of other things. There's lots on there. So I do encourage you to have a little look at it. Um, and the other thing that we've set up recently is a peer support network. So when we've been talking today about um, working with others and collaborating and sharing ideas, um, we've set up a youth focus knowledge hub. And we can send you an invite if you're interested. Just send us an email. And on there, we post loads of information about um, training that may, might be coming up, about articles and things in the news. And it's also a great space for you to talk to other people working with young people. So, yeah, we'd love to hear from you, really. <laughs> Brilliant. And I suppose if, if someone is thinking about setting up a new group, actually, the map on that website would be really useful for them to go to and see what's already out there so that they're sort of limiting any duplication and, and making sure that they can form those partnerships. Yeah, it's a great it's a great starting point, definitely. And of course, if you get in touch with us, we can we can maybe help you uh, link up. So, yeah, it's a great tool. Brilliant. So before I let you both go, this is uh, the killer question coming. Um, so we ask all our guests. What is the funniest, the weirdest, or the most memorable experience you've ever had at work or when volunteering? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, <laughs> and I think I, I had a thought about this, and um, all of them involve animals, and they say, don't they? Don't work with kids or animals. So if you put them together, it's the recipe for disaster, isn't it? But um, we had um, a few years back now, we were running a youth group, and uh, one of the girls, who I think was about 15 years old at the time, decided she was going to bring her new pet along. Um, which was fine, but the problem was her new pet was a micro pig. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you remember when these micro pigs were quite fashionable, weren't they? So she turned up with this pig, and um, which was fine, but obviously everyone wanted to touch the pig and hold the pig, and so this pig got passed around, and one of the other girls didn't like this, so dropped it. The pig, the pig obviously was a little bit traumatised, so uh, I won't get into too much details, but it loosened its bowels everywhere. So you've got this pig squealing, running around, creating lots of mess. You've got young people squealing. And um, it's one of those moments where you just look in the room and you're just like, oh, how did I get like to this surreal place where I'm in a in a room with this mad pig running around and young people and I've got to somehow bring some order to this chaos. Um, <laughs> and if that wasn't fun, like, so that was that was kind of on the night. But the funny thing was, a few weeks later, as this pig kind of grew and developed, it turned out this pig wasn't a micro pig after all. <gasps> this person had just been conned into buying a piglet some crazy price and it grew and grew and grew into like the most massive pig um, and in fact I even saw the pig a few years later because it was rehomed by someone else that I knew uh, and it became the most biggest ugliest pig you ever did see I bet he was beautiful to his mum yeah. <laughs> oh. um, brilliant well, we've had the Bryony sheep story in the very first episode of this, and now we've had a pig. So, um, yeah, like you say, don't ever work with uh, children or animals. <laughs> oh. And Helen, how about yourself? Um, can you follow well, them? Oh, well, I don't think I can follow the micro pig, but I am going to stay on the um, the same theme of um, children and animals, though. <laughs> so. So um, quite some time ago, we were looking for a new venue for our um, activities. And so we were offered um, the use of this old children's centre. And it had been empty for a little while, but we're like, oh, this is brilliant because it had some really great big spaces with lovely big windows that opened out into the gardens, like sort of patio doors. And we were really pleased with this. And um, 
but it wasn't very long before we realized that we weren't the only people in the building and um we're having all these noises and we're like oh what is that and then one day we were running an arts and crafts session in one of these lovely big rooms and all of a sudden this little figure appeared on the panel of one of the lights in the ceiling and it was a squirrel (laughs) and it turned out that we were sharing the building with quite a large family of little grey squirrels (laughs) and (laughs) it must have been quite a fat little squirrel because it then (laughs) fell through this ceiling light landed in the middle of our our classroom and so you can imagine there was like this huge flurry of activity as um half of the people are running away scared and half of us are trying to work out how to get the squirrel out of the room so we sort of opened these big patio doors that could get in the garden but it was obviously in a state of shock so it sort of stood up on its back legs and so it wanted to have a little fight with us <laughs> so you can imagine it was well it was um it was certainly quite an experience and um and kept everyone giggling for well for ages afterwards and and actually we ended up kind of learning to live with the squirrels because we kept trying to get them out in a humane fashion but they really didn't want to leave so they sort of stuck around for quite a long time really (laughs) which which I have to say the young people loved but um, I'm not sure quite that all of our adult visitors thought it was (laughs) thought it was quite right well they were obviously far too interested in what you were doing there (laughs) (laughs) absolutely absolutely (laughs) fabulous well to Two very good moments there. Thank you both very much. Um, It just remains for me to thank you both for joining me today. Um, It's been lovely speaking to you both. And uh, yeah, if people want to get in touch, please do head over to the website and and give Helen or Rebecca a shout. Thank you very much, Hannah. It's been really fun. Yeah, thank you. It's been great. (laughs) Thank you both. you would like to take part in the cast pod do get in touch by our social media channels or you can find mine or briny's personal details on our website www.communityactionsuffolk.org.uk we can't wait to see you bye for now